welcome to One Cause Church. Here is another inspirational message from Senior Pastor Eric Holler. Amen. Well, let's go to verse 32, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 32. Uh, I can't believe we're coming to the close of this book. It feels like it's quickly, and sometimes it feels like we've been in it a while. But this is such a marvelous book, and I don't have time to go into all the things that we've covered, but I just want to remind you tonight that this book points us all to Jesus and his superiority and the better things that he brought into our lives through this better covenant established upon better promises. Now, this book was written primarily to the Jews, as it is called Hebrews. And so are things in there that pertain to them specifically and not to you. And let me explain a little bit of that. And part of that is anything under the context of the law uh, that especially had to do with the sacrificial system. Remember, they sacrificed um, bulls and goats and, and lambs for their sins. You know, that was never for any of us as Gentiles to be a part of, neither the law, the commandments, you know, thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not steal, all those. Those things never applied to any of us. Um, and the church needs to get that out of their heads. The Gentile church, I should say. All right? It was never even for us. It's not that we are no longer under the law. We were never under the law. This law, these laws that came, were laws that defined Israel as a nation. It was a nation set apart by God, for God. All right, so those laws applied to them. Let me remind you that when God said, thou shalt not kill, he did not mean don't kill Gentiles. He meant don't kill each other because they went on a slaughter after that to obtain, thank you, Alex, to obtain, let's give Alex a big hand. Yes. To obtain, to obtain the, the, the promised land, they had to, they had to, overcome many obstacles, pagans, <laughs> people like us back then, and there was no law about that, all right? So this law was pertaining to the people of Israel within the nation of Israel, all right? So we all came in later on by the grace and mercy of God, who we were strangers from, from this life, having uh, uh, no, no part in the commonwealth of Israel and, and the covenant and all the benefits of a relationship with God, but God, by his own mercy, he saved us and brought us near by his blood, as the apostle Paul taught us. Amen. So there are things in the book of Hebrews that apply specifically to the Hebrew people. And so in those areas, I've, I've done my best to show you where that specifically applies to them, especially in the sacrificial system. But these things are shadows and are, are examples for us to learn from. You know, not all the Bible is to you, but all the Bible is for you. All right, so, um, and so knowing this from the book of Hebrews, there are things that we all understand, we all have common ground in, and that is Jesus Christ, who is the author and the finisher of our faith. He is the Lord of all. His blood saved all of us. His blood washed all our sins away. Amen. And he brought us all into this better covenant established upon better promises. So with that in mind, let's read verse 32 of Hebrews 10. Excuse me. But recall the former days in which after you were illuminated, you endured a great struggle with sufferings. Verse 33, partly while you were made a spectacle both by reproaches and tribulations and partly while you became companions of those who were so treated. So what he's telling these, these young believers, these young Jewish believers is, is that you, when you came into the knowledge of Christ, when you put your faith in that once for all sacrifice, no longer that old covenant, that old sacrificial system, you came under great tribulation and persecution by others who were caught up in that tradition, who did not claim Jesus as their Messiah. And so therefore, 
They ridiculed you. They persecuted you. And remember that time when you were first illuminated, how you endured such things, okay? And then, and then <laughs> it says, and, and partly while you became companions of those who were so treated. So all those who had been already uh, scrutinized, who believed prior, believed the gospel prior to that, they've now be become associated with them and come under more scrutiny. You know, it doesn't matter what you believe. Somebody's going to put you in a category. It really doesn't matter. I can say, I believe the Bible, and somebody will tell me, well, you're either a Calvinist or you're an Arminianist. No, no, I'm just a Bible believer, Right? I believe that you walk, we walk by faith and, and not by sight. Believe what Jesus said, that when he said, whatever things you desire when you pray, you believe that you receive. Oh, you sound like one of those uh, word of faith people. Well, whatever you want to label, I don't know. Uh, and God, I know God wants you to prosper and be in health. Oh, that sounds like a health, and you, you're one of those uh, prosperity and wealth preachers. Okay, well, I don't know, but I just, I'm, all I do is do my best to preach the Bible. You can put labels on it all you want, all right? So we're just good at that kind of stuff, right? And, and, and whatever, believing the Bible, whoever that associates me with, I could care less. Whoever it distances me from, I could care less. I just want truth in my life. Can I get a good amen tonight? All right. But you know what's really cool is that it has brought me to you. And it's brought you to me. And I like this company that I keep. Amen. You are a big, big, big blessing to me. Partly while you became companion to those who were so treated. Verse 34, for you had compassion on me in my chains and joyfully accepted the plundering of your goods, knowing that you have a better, say better, and an enduring possession for yourselves in heaven. In other words, you've decided that what is in heaven is more important than what is on earth. You understand that heaven is the, your permanent home and this earth is temporary. So you're not getting wrapped up in having possessions nor losing possessions, but in what you have in eternity. Hallelujah. Thank the Lord that this isn't the final product and this isn't the final stop. But we do get one pass through this life, my family. And so we do everything that we can to live for and to store up for that day. Because whatever rewards you store up now, those are the rewards that you have forever and ever and ever. Right. Amen. Right. And those rewards come, uh, those rewards come uh, through the good works that we do. Not good works that we conjure up ourselves. My family, you, you bring forth good works because of his nature in you. This isn't something that we strive at doing. Well, I know I need to do right. I know I need to be better. Right? I need to do good. Listen, it's, it's, get out of that low-level thinking, all right? Just let him work in you. That's what the Scripture says. He is working in you, and we're working out our salvation with fear and trembling, all right? We're just trusting God. We're walking by faith. And as a result, guess what? You fruit good works. Yeah. Amen. You don't ever see a tree going, what are you doing, tree? I'm trying to bear fruit. Oh, a tree just bears the fruit. Hmm? Why? Because it's planted and it's watered and it just does what it's supposed to do. And you're planted in him. The scripture says his seed remains in you. Isn't that a good thing to know that his seed remains in you? That's what 1 John chapter 3 teaches us. Can we go there for a moment? Time out. 1 John chapter 3 and verse... Uh, Go ahead and start with 8, because I like 8 a lot, too. 1 John 3, 8. Thank you, David. He knew this was going to happen. 
Look at this. He who sins is of the devil, for the devil has sinned from the beginning. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. Did he do it? Yeah, he sure did. Verse 9. Whoever has been born of God does not sin, for his seed remains in him. And he cannot sin (laughs) because he has been born of God. How many of you are born of God in here? How many of you, how many of you have sinned since, since you've been born of God? Okay, hang on. Whoever's been born of God does not sin. He cannot sin. How many of you can sin? So, well, what's going on here? See, if we don't understand what this is talking about, we can be some confused people. This kind of verse, if you don't know what this is really about, you'll start questioning. Well, maybe I'm not saved because I keep sinning. Maybe I'm not really born of God. Right? This will, I mean, the devil will just put you in a tailspin. Whoever has been born of God, born of God, born of God, that which is born of the flesh is flesh, Jesus said, but that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Your, your flesh wasn't born of God. Your flesh was born of your mama. The only part of you that's born of God is your spirit. Oh, okay, so let's say this. Whoever's been born of God does not sin. In other words, it's saying your spirit man does not sin. For his seed remains in. What seed is that? What is that seed? It's that righteous seed. It's that righteous seed that remains in you. And he cannot sin because he has been born of God. See, there's, now that your nature changed, that's why when you do sin, if you should ever, which I have a hard time believing anybody in here would, but if, let me just say, if you should ever sin, you know you don't have to. You don't have to be duped into that, we're all sinners saved by grace, so... I'm bound to trip and fall. Hey, 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 think of yourself better than that. He put his nature in you. You can actually choose not to sin. Think about what Jesus told the woman caught in adultery. What did he say to you? Neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Now, he didn't put that over her. Oh, he said, never sin again. Oh, my God, what am I going to do? Jesus said, there is no condemnation. And that pronouncement is what empowered her. There's no condemnation. Oh, wow, I'm free to not sin now. You see the difference? I don't have to. What he's saying is you don't have to sin if you don't because there's no condemnation. So let's, let's think higher of this nature. Let's think higher of that seed that is in you that remains than you do. Hallelujah. You, can, you have all the control in the world over that flesh that you want to have. Amen. Because that's not who you really are. Who you really are is known in the Spirit, known by God, known of God. His seed remains. I thank God for that. Let me ask you a question. If I planted a ripe, good apple, I mean one that just is, you know, when you bite into it, it's crispy. If I planted that apple in the ground, and then I took an apple that was rotting away, and I planted it in the ground, which one would produce? Would they not both produce trees? Would one produce a rotten tree? No, because no matter what the condition of the apple, the seed is what matters. The seed is what matters, and his seed is what matters. His seed is in you. Hallelujah. 
Come on, tell somebody. You rotten apple, his seed is in. Just kidding. We're talking about the flesh part, all right? Not the spirit. The flesh is the rotten part. His seed is what makes us fruitful. Amen. His seed remains in you because he has been born of God. All right, did that help you tonight? And that wasn't even in Hebrews. We had to go all the way over to John to find that. Anyway, uh, Verse 34 of Hebrews chapter 10. Let's go back over there. <clears throat> For you had compassion on me and my chains, and joyfully accepted the plunder of your goods, knowing that you have a better and enduring, say enduring. It's an enduring possession. It's an enduring possession. Do you realize that now, you know, we are all at one point slaves of sin. We are in a prison of sin, bound to it. But you know what God did for you? He took you out of one prison and put you in another one. Now he made you a prisoner of righteousness. A prisoner of righteousness. As he called it, a slave of righteousness. You can't help yourself. Now all you can do is do righteous things. You're bound to it. Imprisoned in righteousness. This is beautiful. All right? Now, let's look at verse 35. Therefore, do not cast away your confidence. Do you remember at the very beginning of this chapter, it talked about having boldness? Boldness to enter? That we come boldly, right? Boldly talks about this bold, audacious confidence before God where religion would say, you don't approach God boldly. Who do you think you are? Well, I think I'm somebody that God thinks a lot of because he tells me to come boldly. I'm either going to come on my terms or I'm going to come on his terms. My terms, if I'm just thinking about what I know about Eric Holler, is going to be groveling, oh God, don't kill me, Right? No, but on his terms, it's come boldly. Come boldly. Because he wants you to be more concerned about your relationship with him than any performance that you could ever do. Come boldly before the throne of grace. So do not cast away your confidence or boldness. It's the very same Greek word for boldness. All right? That is that you have unreserved speech. You can say anything to your God. which has great reward. Your boldness toward God has great reward. In other words, eventually you're going to get this. If you'll practice boldness with God, if you'll practice approaching him with boldness, and you know what? You're going to have to get past your feelings to do that. You have to get past your emotions and what your, your own human reasoning and just get in that realm of faith and come before God boldly. What does that mean to come before God boldly? That means you come to him and you talk to him like he is your father and you are his child. You come to him and you make your request known to him with thanksgiving. That is, you believe that you have the answer to your prayer before you finish the prayer. You act like it's already done. You believe that he is a good God, and he wants to give you the desires of your heart. This is bold prayer. This isn't, oh, God, we hope you can do something for us. We'll cross your finger. Lord, if you could just look down upon us, help us, Jesus. No. He says, come boldly before the throne. Act like you own the place. Because he who did not spare Jesus, he won't spare anything. He'll give you everything. Amen. If he would give you Jesus, his greatest, most precious prize, what is he going to hold back? It's like he's just daring us, just daring us to come and pray big, outlandish prayers. What if we just took him at his word? What if we just got over this whole religious thinking and just believed God? We really believe that Jesus said, 
Whatever things you desire when you pray, believe you receive them and you will have them. And you would shut up that religious voice that immediately follows. It says, you, he doesn't mean everything. If we just shut that out and just took Jesus at his word and let our faith come up to believe. Huh? Jesus said, whoever asks, receives. Whoever seeks, finds. To him who knocks, the door will be open. Well, you know, see that voice starts coming. Don't, just, just, let's just take him at his word. All right. You need, a, so we, we, do not cast away your confidence, which has great reward. Look at this. For you have need, oh, here's the fun part, of endurance. Endurance, you know what the, this word means, Jeremiah? Can you guess what this word means? Patience. For you have need of patience, so that after you have done the will of God, you may receive the promise. What does it mean to do the will of God? First, to believe Him. That's what His will is, that you believe Him. Amen? You've done the will of God, you may inherit the promise. So now we've figured something out. The Bible teaches us over and over this basic formula to life with God. Are you ready? Faith, patience, promise. Faith, patience, promise. Why, God, do we have to have patience? We're living in a microwave world. Can't you microwave that promise to us? Why we got to slow cook this thing? Come on, Jesus. Catch up with the times. Faith, patience. He says, if this happens, you will, you may receive the promise. See, God does not give us promises and then break those promises. He doesn't promise you something and then say, ah, change my mind. No, he promises this to you and then says, believe it and endure until you get it. Faith isn't, uh, I believe God. Then the next day go, well, I tried that faith stuff. God didn't answer my prayer. No, no, no. It's not over till the promise is obtained. It's not over till the promise is obtained. Mm-hmm. That is good. I want to, okay, I'm going to try this, Alex. Let's give this a shot. Oh, you'll have to do your nerd thing there. Let's try this. And this. Okay, isn't that nice? So, um, does that look like a P? Or a flag. You have to forgive her. She's from South Carolina. She doesn't know the difference between a P and a flag. 
How about that one? <laughs> Same thing. Okay. So, let's say that in the little circle is where you are. This is your position in life. Okay? But that P up there is God's promise or your potential. Okay? How are we going to get from here to here? God created Adam and Eve, and he told them, God blessed them and said this. I love this blessing. Men especially love this blessing. Because the first thing he said to them was, be fruitful and multiply. <laughs> Come on, guys. I need a good amen right here. That's the first blessing. That's the first command. God blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply. In other words, have babies. Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth. Have a lot of babies, which takes a lot of mm, to have babies. Amen. Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. Now watch. Subdue the earth. And then he said, have dominion. And so man has dominion over all things. This was all given by God. Fish of the sea, bird of the air, uh, 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 the, the, everything that walks on the earth, and it says, over every creeping thing. Gave you dominion over the creeps. That's good to know. But the first thing was to be fruitful and multiply and to fill the earth. Here's an interesting thing. Can we go to Genesis 3 for a moment? Genesis chapter 3. So God blessed them and told Adam to tend the garden or to keep the garden. Um, that word keep actually means to guard the garden. That's interesting. What, what is Adam guarding the garden against? Well, there is a serpent that's in that garden. And this serpent is very crafty. And this serpent is looking for an opportunity. All right? That's what he does. He's always looking for opportunity. Peter taught us that, right? He said the devil roams about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. He's looking for opportunity. This has been his MO from the very beginning. He's always looking for opportunity, seeking whom he may devour. He may not devour you if you don't let him. You've got to give him permission to do that. Amen. Amen. If he could just go do whatever he wanted to, right? Every, I mean, we just have planes dropping out of the sky all the time. We'd have chaos everywhere. Every, I mean, we think it's chaotic right now, but if the devil was actually in control, it'd be really bad. All right. Now we see his influence because men choose to give him control by their choices and allow his effects in the earth. Now the serpent was more cunning or crafty than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, has God indeed said you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? Okay, so God did command them, right? It says that uh, of all the trees you may freely eat, but I get one tree. I want one tree on planet earth. You get all the rest of them. That's a pretty good deal. Wouldn't you think that's a good deal? God gets one tree. You get everything else. But the enemy gets them looking at that one tree. And then watch what the woman says. The woman said to the servant, we may eat the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden. Where's, the, where's this tree? It's in the middle of the garden. You shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. That's not exactly what God said, but she was trying her best. Then the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die. For God knows that in the day that you eat of it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Verse 6. So when the woman saw that the tree was good, oh, oh, she's standing there next to the tree. Eve is standing there in the middle of the garden next to the tree. 
My question is, why is she hanging around that tree? And not only her, but her husband's not far away either. What are they doing in the middle of the garden? The devil apparently saw an opportunity. Something was going awry. Something wasn't right. He saw an opportunity. They're hanging around the tree. They should have no business being around. They should be around all the other trees. Matter of fact, they have a blessing and a command from God to fill the earth. Why are they in the middle of the garden if they're supposed to fill the earth? So he sees something. The enemy sees ah, opportunity. There they are right next to that thing. The one thing they should not be close. That's where they are. So he begins to lure them in. And before long, Adam and Eve take the bait. They bite the fruit. And we know what happened. They both, in that day, they died. and Their spirits died. And it took 930 years for Adam to actually physically die from that day forward. But you know what's awesome about God? See, their position was in the garden, but their potential was to fill the earth. Their position was in the garden. And Adam and Eve apparently liked that comfortable position of just being in the garden. You know, it's comfortable to stay where you are. Growth hurts. Growth stretches. Hmm? Growth is irritating. Growth is painful. Why well, do I want to do that? <laughs> it's just good right here in this position. I like it right here. So then what happens? See, we talk about Adam and Eve's failure most of the time. After all, he is the father of the fall of all mankind. How would you like to have that weight put on you? You think you've screwed up. That guy screwed up everybody. Every living soul, Adam, is responsible for their screwed up condition. Man, father of the fall. That's me. You're welcome. My, fa my failure. <laughs> oh, never mind. Okay. So, but here's the thing. God shows up, right? And they're all caught red-handed. Here they are, all three of them there. God shows up. And so then he starts handing out their consequences to them for their actions. All right? The enemy also. On your belly you will crawl and eat the dust of the ground. And I'll put enmity between your seed and her seed. And he will crush your head and you will bruise his heel. Speaking of Jesus who would come and die for our sins. So then God does another thing. The next thing he does is that he, what does he do with Adam and Eve concerning the garden? He pushes them out. Can I say this to you? God's plan is still intact. It looks different. But his plan is still intact. He hasn't changed his want of moving Adam and Eve to their potential. Now, the one thing that we always talk about is their failure. My family, you're here tonight. Adam and Eve did it. They did it. Amen. They filled the earth. Amen. They moved forward. They moved into that, that place of potential. They did it, even after that horrid failure. 
they still did it. You know, there's always hope. So I'm saying there's always hope for you. There's always hope. Because God's plan will not change. The gifts that he put in you are irrevocable. So here's the thing. Between our position and this promise, there's this... Um, can I, is that doing anything? Yeah, it is. It's not showing up on my thing. Well, um, there we go. Chaos from position to potential. So how do we get there? Walk by faith. Faith is the victory that overcomes the world. All right? Faith is going to get you from here to here. Through the chaos. That's why I keep talking to you about faith. That's the only thing that I can give you because I know that you struggle. I know what this world does. Jesus said in this world, you will have trouble. If you're not in trouble right now, you've just recently come out of trouble or you're coming into trouble. Welcome to planet Earth. Amen. All right? You need to pull up your bootstraps and get through that trouble by faith. It is the only way that you'll overcome. Because here's the thing. You can allow the troubles, the hurts, and those things to define you. Or, let me see this thing under your legs here. This past, this past year, my brother, Brandon, killed this ugly beast and put it out of its misery, poor deer. We were in Kerrville, Texas, deer hunting at uh, Pastor... Remember Pastor Burt, who came to our prophetic conference that Wednesday night? His church property is where we, uh, my brother shot this deer. He's got, they've got lots of land behind their church there, and, and so he asked, uh, invited us to come out and hunt. We like to hunt deer and eat deer and hunt deer and eat deer and hunt them and eat them. <laughs> Shoot them first. Before you eat them, I recommend that. But, uh, and they were telling us about this buck that was out there that had this gnarly setup on this side of his head. And sure enough, uh, where my brother was hunting, he came in, and so my brother took him out. So when we walked up on him, we thought, wow, yeah, he is hideous. But he, this, this, horn, this antler that comes down here was actually rubbing up against his eye and making it very uncomfortable for him, as we could see. So some things I've learned about deer is that if there's some kind of, um, if, if their antlers take form like this and become deformed, usually something has happened to the animal uh, uh, by way of injury. And, and um, there's been many times that we've seen some abnormality and, you know, skinned the deer and found either um, where somebody had shot it and it survived, you know, a scar or some kind of mark on that deer. And whatever side that, that injury is on, that side will grow a funky antler. So we were looking forward to skinning this deer and seeing what happened to this thing. We could find nothing. We could find nothing. When we looked all over that thing, found no injuries, no scarring, nothing. Thought, well, that is really strange. Until my brother took this deer to the taxidermist to have, uh, have it mounted. This is called a European mount, in case you care at all. And uh, right up in this groove up here, 
they found something as they were cleaning all of this animal up. There, up in there, was a little thorn from a, a uh, mesquite tree. And when, when the deer, every year the deer sheds its antlers, and as the, the antlers are coming back, they call, they say that they're in velvet because there's this, this film around the antlers that feels like velvet, looks like velvet, and, but the horns are still a bit soft during that time. And so apparently this deer had gotten in, scratching his, probably trying to peel some of the velvet off, off of a mesquite tree, and a thorn stuck and caused that abnormality in the growth of that horn. Isn't that something? And so from that day forward, it began to grow in a weird way. Now, you see that this deer had some pretty decent potential, right? We see what it was supposed to look like, but yet this is what the injury or the thorn caused. This is ugly, isn't it? I think it's kind of neat, but for all practical purposes, it's just not very pretty. All the potential was there, but the injury hindered this from becoming what it was supposed to. So you have need of endurance. You have need of patience to believe in the promise, to believe in the word, and to not let injury, not let failure, not let others keep you from coming into your potential. All right? And it's going it's to take faith in God to do it. It's going to take faith in God. You're going to have to go beyond what you know in the flesh. Because Jesus taught us another very important thing. He said, it is impossible that offenses will not come. But woe through whom those offenses come. You know, you're always going to have, in this day and age with political correctness running crazy, it is so easy for anybody to get offended about anything at any moment. Aren't you, is anybody else tired of that? Anybody else tired of that? I'm just so tired of it. It's, it's so old. All you hear is just people, well, that offends me, that offends me. Get over, come on, grow up. Well, you don't have to be offended if you don't want to be. You can choose that. Offenses are going to come. What will you do when that offense comes? Jesus said, woe to him through. It's going to come to you. Just don't let it go through you. Don't let it define your life. You holding bitterness and contempt against someone is not hurting that person one bit. It's doing them no harm whatsoever. It is only hurting you. Amen. All right? It's, it's bringing you down. It's keeping you from seeing those promises activated in your life because you can't, I just can't forget what they did to me. Well, forget it. All right? And the way you do that is to remember what he has done to you and what he has done for you. Glory to God. That will help you get over that. I can forgive, but I can't forget. Aren't you glad God don't say that to you? Yeah. Amen. Huh? Aren't you glad that he does? Because we're really glad God's not like us in the area of forgiveness. Amen. And you know what? He's not going to tell you to do something that he's not first willing to do. Peter comes to him, Jesus, how many times should I offend somebody? I mean, they hear this message from him, and he says, oh, okay, how many times should I uh, 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 forgive somebody if they've offended me? Let me guess, Jesus, seven times. And Jesus said, 70 times seven. <sighs> In other words, there's no limit to how often you ought to forgive. Oh, yeah, by the way, that's in a day.
That's in a day. In other words, you don't have an option. Forgive. Even as God has forgiven you. How did he forgive you? He forgave you and then he stopped talking about it. He didn't bring up your sins anymore. That's how you can forget the injury. That's how you can forget the offense is just stop talking about it. Yeah, but do you know what they did to me? How many times are we going to hear this? How many times do we have to hear how somebody humiliated you? How many times do we have to hear that? All right, let me tell you something. We don't. We're tired of it. Let me just say that. All right, why don't you get tired of it? Move forward. Let that be a thing of the past. All right? Say what God has said. If you repeat what, what God has said as many times as what he said or she said, you might just find that promise. That's good preaching. That's better preaching than your amen in. But I still love you. Let's finish this chapter, Hebrews 10. And verse 37, I believe. Is that right? After you have need of patience, so that after you have done the will of God, you may for yet a little while, and he who is coming will come and will not tarry. Isn't that interesting? It says he will not tarry. You know how long ago this was written? 2,000 years ago. I, I would define that as tarrying. You yeah, remember back in the day? How many of you went to a, a, a more Pentecostal kind of church back years ago? Okay. Yeah, I did. Do, you, do you remember this when the preacher would say, why don't we just tarry in the Lord for a little bit? And you never knew how long that meant. How long do we tarry here in the spirit? We just tarry in the Lord. You just never knew how long that was going to be. And it says he will not tarry. Well, I'm grateful that he hadn't tarried yet. I mean, that, that he hasn't come back yet for this reason, because we're all here. We all got the chance to, to be born and to experience life and to come into existence. But he will come and he will not tarry. In other words, his coming is imminent. Jesus Christ is coming back. He is coming back. That is a fact. He said, I'll come back. I'll be back. That's what he said. You tell him I'm coming. And heaven's coming with me. Let's go back to 38 now. We have two verses left. I've got 48 minutes to get it done. <laughs> now the just shall live by what? But if anyone draws back, my soul has no pleasure in him. Yeah, we're going to find out later in the next chapter in verse 6 of Hebrews 11. Without faith, it's impossible to please him. It's impossible. My soul has no pleasure in anyone that draws back. But we are not of those. Say, I am not of those who draw back to perdition, but of those who believe to the saving of the soul. Is that your spirit? No, 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 no. Your spirit's already saved. Your soul is being saved right now. Right now, you're walking out this sanctification. Soul is being saved right now. But in one sense, it's already done because the Scripture says He has sanctified those forever. He has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. 
All right, so you are being sanctified, and in one sense you're already sanctified because if God saved you in the Spirit, that means your soul is sure to be saved and your body is sure to be saved. He's not going to start one and forget the other two. All right, but all the other two things are in process, in time, seed, time, harvest, faith, patience, promise. Are we getting it tonight? All right, and patience is just a confident endurance that what God said will come to pass. All right? It's that confident endurance, that confident assurance, what God has said. Hey, whatever time has to go by, I'm sticking with him. I'm sticking with his word. I'm going to continue to say what God has said until I obtain that promise that I'm confessing. Amen. Father, thank you for this time together. Thank you, Lord, for this great book. Thank you for this, this word that teaches us that come to us tonight, Lord, to believe and to continue to believe until we see the fruit of our belief. Thank you, Lord, for these precious promises that you have given to us. Your scripture says that it is by these promises that we become partakers of the divine nature. It's how, Lord, we experience your life in our life is through your promises. Lord, help us, Lord, not to be hasty. Help us, Lord, not to give up and to give out. Help us not to grow weary, but, Father God, to believe you said it, you will do it, I will believe it, and I will say it, and I will continue that way until I see it in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. You will not fail us. You will never leave us. You will never forsake us. What you say will absolutely come to pass. You are a promise-keeping God. And, Lord, though men make promises and they fail on those promises, Lord, we don't look to men as our example, Lord. We look to you who have never failed, whose word has never failed not one day. We trust you. We trust you. I want you for a moment right now, whatever it is that you're believing for, that you're going to need God's help in, I want you to just tell him right now. Just tell God what it is. Just say again right now, what is it that you're believing God for? What promise are you holding on to that you've not yet seen? I want you to just declare, I have that. I have what God has promised me in Jesus' name. Lord, thank you that your word is true. And I make that word personal to my life right now. I receive it. I will not draw back. I will not back down. I will not cower away in Jesus' name. I will come to you on your terms. I boldly confess your word is alive in my life. I boldly confess today that I will live in the realities of your promise. Hallelujah. I'm not settled and I'm not satisfied with what this world gives me. I'm not settled and satisfied with where I am right now. There's so much more. I don't want to just live a life in a position. I want to live in the potential that God has for me. I want to live in your promise. And Lord, I thank you for that. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for filling your people tonight with joy unspeakable and full of glory, with endurance, Lord, infusing your strength in them. Even right now, those that are weary, you said, come to me, all you who are weary, who are laid down with burdens. I will give you rest. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. Don't cast away your confidence. Cast away your burdens. Hallelujah. Receive his word tonight. Let it build you up. The scripture says that the word of his grace will build you up and give you an inheritance. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, for that. And we receive it. Thank you right now for being a very present help in time of need. In the mighty name of Jesus. Amen and amen. Thank you for listening. And we hope you enjoyed the message. For more information about One Cause Church, 
please visit us online at onecausechurch.com.